time, your face looks fine. I've never seen anybody spend more time in a mirror. Relax, I just want to look good for the boys. You did remember to invite some cute boys to the party, I hope. Of course I did. And we're going to scare the shit out of them. A video nasty, 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 a video nasty. Hello and welcome to It's a Nasty World, the podcast all about the video nasties and censored cinema. My name is Ashley McNasty, here with my lovely co-host Elmo Four and Five. Elmo415 here, and welcome to part two of Demon Palooza, baby. Demon Palooza, it's the demon's biggest night of the year. We're all out here. The red carpet's been rolled out. Honestly, it's it's such a pleasure to see just so many demons out on parade. Just like the like honestly, I myself am a big fan of the pageantry here. It's like we want to know what they're wearing, who they're eating, what's happening. For this next entry, we're doing Night of the Demons with an S at the end from 1988, aka Halloween Party. Yeah, and that was that name was changed. If you want to go back into a little bit of the history of that. All right, so so with this movie, this is well, a little bit of background with this one. This is uh, kind of one of, I consider like the quintessential teens trapped in a haunted house film. Uh, oh, definitely. And so. The movie had been completely shot, and a lot of this info comes from a uh, like a pretty good Talking Head documentary that gets a bunch of uh, of the cast and crew of the film to talk about their filming experience with it. And you can just find it for free on YouTube. I forget the name, but just type in Night of the Demons documentary and they'll just pop right up. But either way, I just want to cite my sources on this. But So the movie had been basically completed. It was pretty close to you know having the kind of final masters of the film in when all of a sudden they get you know their production team gets a call from the uh lawyers of the studio that owns halloween and you know john carpenter's halloween and they basically tell them we're not going to sue you but if you ever want to get insurance and work on any film ever again in this town you will change the name of this movie <laughs> so they changed it from Halloween Party to Night of the Demons, and that's how it has made our entry onto this non-video nasty en- entry into the Demon Palooza. Yeah, well, this this makes this brings me to a very specific question: like, how how does did John Carpenter have the um, copyrights to the word Halloween? Because if you think about a Halloween party, that's not necessarily Halloween, so I'm not really... So if you could explain that a little further, I'm just kind of curious. Well, and that's the thing. It wasn't necessarily copyrighted, but they were trying to protect their brand, and so they didn't want anything else that even kind of remotely sounded like, oh, someone might confuse this for a Halloween film. You know, a branded, you know, Halloween TM film, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. Makes a little more sense to me now, for sure, yeah. That's yeah, but yeah, um, nothing's gonna be competing with Big Halloween. Carpenter makes sure to snuff out the competition. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, let's get into the movie itself. Um, I've got to say that this is 
this is one of my favorite movies we've talked about. I love this movie. Just everything about it is amazing. I think from beginning to end. And just to, just to even clarify how much I love this movie, even the beginning credits of the film are superb. It's like... I was excited during this movie from start to finish. And usually in older movies, it's like the credits go on really lo a lot longer at the beginning. But I even enjoyed the, the animated intro so yeah, much. Yeah, it was good. It's like they had a good animated, like, you know, kind of ghosts and ghouls coming out of this, you know, hilltop haunted house. Yeah. So it, it begins, now was it, the, how the film actually begins, though, with, does it begin with an ass shot? All, um, and so these, these, uh, the, these kids that are going to party at the, um, at the haunted house later, they drive by and this one character named Stooge who has a pig nose, he, he pulls his pants down to moon this old guy, but this old man, yeah, this grumpy old man who hates Halloween. Yeah. And he has a pair of jack-o'-lantern underwear that I really want a pair that I'm probably going to Google this as soon as I'm done recording because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the guy who played Stooge in the movie, they said that he said like the director initially wanted him just actually moon the camp, like, actually moon it. But he was just like, uh, I'm not showing my whole ass in this movie. Um, yeah, we, we all do it with, give me a pair of goofy boxers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was a great choice just because I, I love that shot. Just, just the big old jack-o'-lantern just taunting the old man. And for some reason at the beginning, everyone is picking on this old guy. Yeah, it's true. Everyone is like, like bumping into and like, just like acting like a complete asshole to this old man carrying his groceries on the way home. And I guess he's just enough of an evil, belligerent asshole that he they kind of imply, and, like, I think, I mean, I think, I guess this was already in, you know, kind of in the culture at this point, but it implies that he's going to be putting razor blades in this in apples and handing them out to people on Halloween, where it's like, everyone's knocking me over. It's like, I'll show them. And so, because they show in his grocery bag, it's like he picks up an apple and then a packet of razor blades. It's like... Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the whole classic Halloween trope because that was, as a kid, you'd always always hear the uh, urban legends about the, the razor blades and the apples. You'd hear about the, the poison candies and people used to say, like, double check your candy to make sure they didn't unwrap it before. Like, yeah, you know, right. I was nervous about this stuff too. I, I used to check my candy as Which, a little kid too. Which, by the way, just saying, the razor blade and the apple thing is completely fictional there i don't think there's been ever any actual cases of it it was just a complete fucking urban legend and moral panic also as a kid i wanted sugary candy and stuff if somebody handed me an apple when i was a kid i would have thrown that shit away honestly right. but then i'm here for the candy well that totally killed the um like the old-timey grandmas who would like make candied and caramel apples and would occasionally hand those out but it's like oh there might be razor blazer and we can't do it it's like i mean like you know she also could do is just like cut the apple open you know and then you could just like eat it that way yeah if it was candied i would eat it i just pulled like... a razor blade out it's like you still candied <laughs> apple it's like big fucking deal <laughs> yeah. it's like geez it's like it's, you know it's like it's like cutting the core out of the apple it's like de-seeding you know your fruits it's like yeah it's taking the razor blades out An another hilarious um urban legend was like the idea that you might end up with like drugs in your candy that will get you high like 
who is spending their money to lace candy to get random kids high that they will never see again? Like, that sounds like a very expensive activity. You, you know who's doing it? Fucking cool people. <laughs> Come on, you want a Snickers? No, the absolute most fucking coolest motherfucker. It's like, no, he's just like, it's totally like, so, like... No, no, man. It's going to change your whole perspective once you try this, all right? It's not a postage stamp. Just put it on your tongue. No, like, we'll put it on the we'll put it on the edge in, we'll put it in the middle of the Smarties uh in the middle of the Smarties rolls. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Smarties. I love Smarties. And I and honestly like we're so sorry for this uh, little side table here, but we're in full-on spooky season. We are really reveling in the fact that it's October. I feel like everyone's fucking feeling it right now. And yeah, we're just we're really down for the autumnal season and for kind of like the true like beginnings of like this is the spooky season. Halloween is less than thirty days away. Yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah, and um, I uh, I find this is like the quintessential Halloween movie. So if you're having a Halloween party. That and you want to put something on the TV because you know some people what they'll do is they'll have the music playing and they'll have the movie they'll have like a movie in the background and it's often like an old Nightmare on Elm Street or something. But this one, this movie is like one of the most Halloween things I have ever seen in my entire life. No, no, this one's great because honestly, if you don't even if you just want to like put it on and just not even pay attention, there's not visually going on in the film that's kind of it's always engaging in some way. So even if you were to just do this with no audio um you're still actually gonna have a pretty good time with it yeah so yeah let's actually get into the movie itself so so then was it so the actual ass shot i was thinking of and this is kind of ridiculous say like this film definitely has a bit of the male gaze going on in it because we then open up to was it there are two teen girls, I mean, who are clearly not teenage girls. They're clearly adult women. But, uh... As every horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they're not paying... They're not paying underage actors in this movie at all. That costs way too much fucking money. The only <laughs> underage actor is the younger brother who just has, like, this complete shit-talking little asshole. It was also kind of creepy with the quotation... Wow, bodacious boobies, sis. Oh, that's right, yeah. The younger <laughs> brother does say... yeah. Which the actor who played him said that that line is permanently seared into his brain, <laughs> and just like it's a line that never will leave from all the projects he've do- he's done. Yeah. But okay. um, so going back to this, so we have uh, the two girls in the convenience store. One is dressed all in pink. The other is looks like Death from the Sandman comics, just like an absolute quintessential '80s goth girl. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like the one girl wearing pink is like basically just bending over, showing her like showing basically just showing her ass to distract the clerks at the front as uh the goth girl goes through and just like shop takes like every item in the store and just puts it in her halloween sack because like we're stealing everything from this store to like so we can actually have our party yeah and i love uh the the girl in pink i love what she uh says to the the clerks who are gazing at her when she's walking out She's like, do you have any sour balls? And they said, we sure do. And then she says, well, I bet you don't get very many blowjobs. That was, <laughs> that was a great burn. <laughs> I mean, it's like, with this, it's like, okay, it's not exactly a feminist scene by any stretch of the imagination. 
That being said, okay, at least they're giving it back to these fucking clerks for being like, okay, your guys are perving out. We're just gonna fucking rob your store. Yeah, I, I don't think you see a lot of feminism in movies in the eighties, especially no. particularly the eighties. Like, no, yeah, like eighties horror films. No, not so much. It's kind of a low point for feminism. <laughs> yeah. It's a, mostly just women getting killed. Yeah, women getting killed and often showing their boobs to uh, yeah. box office sales before they get killed. Well, you know, this film is uh, certainly guilty of also. So, yeah. <laughs> just going to get that out right out front. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone... So, yeah, as we have, like, we have a group of uh, a variety of different friends, but it's about, like, what, like six to eight different... Uh, kind of teens end up gathering at what's called the Hull House, an abandoned mortuary. And it's it was rumored to have been like, oh, this place is fucking haunted. And Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the legend is that the owner of the place like killed everyone who worked there and all the people that worked there also lived there so this this big mansion is supposedly super haunted and so they're throwing the halloween party there to kind of you know up the spooky for the uh halloween night and i know actually it's pretty cool that this the actual house they was a real house just in the middle of la and you know kind of through some effects and trick photography they make it seem as if it's completely not it's just on like the top of some hill but they didn't they largely didn't shoot on sets for this film just because their work at so low of a budget uh, i think it was less than a million dollars so they actually shot their scenes inside the house and the whole thing was just dressed up from head to toe like a, a spooky ass haunted house and some of the cast members you know were even saying that like oh I was like would legitimately get freaked out inside the house like in between takes when we were just waiting around so I would literally just leave the house because it was just got it it was just like too fucking freaky. Well I mean in in the basement there's like a giant crematorium that that was already in the building so I imagine that had to have been really spooky to be oh, around. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very so so all these teenagers, they pull up with their cars, they go to party inside the uh, the big spooky hull house. You know, they're turning on rock music, they're they're drinking. You know, they're doing uh, they're doing teenage Halloween stuff. You know, but then so we have like was it Angela the goth girl decides okay we're gonna do a seance yeah yeah and so this is like turns out uh, uh like and. Was it one of the girls, like, sees a demon in the mirror? And yeah. It, like, in the mirror they're using a seance with, screams, they knock over the mirror, break it, but it's been, it's, it's too late, you know, like, was it the, the girl in pink, was it Suzanne, she gets possessed by a demon already, but no one really knows it yet, and so she just starts going, like, I'm gonna be hot mess, girl. I'm just gonna start using my pink lipstick and drawing all over my fucking face, just like... Like, yeah, I'm just, like, hot mess psycho girl now, and but no one still can figure out that she's totally possessed. Oh, yeah, I love her vibes throughout the whole movie. Oh, it's so like, good. She, she is awesome. Like, and actually, it's great. We watched this one with a, with a larger group of friends, and so it's her that, like, eventually she is, like, stripping, like, she opens up her shirt and re to reveal her bare breasts. Yeah, there's and, a few of those scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's, just showing boobs for boobs' sake. Yeah, it's like th that's a couple times. She kind of seems to be the primary person, though. And it was like they cut to another shot of her, of her chest, and I noticed a couple of people in the room were saying, "Like, is that seem like those don't seem real? This, this seems weird and fake." 
And then it turns out, oh yeah, they are, because then she just takes her whole lipstick tube and just shoves it into one of her nipples to the, to the point where it's like, it is completely inside herself. It's like, oh fuck, okay, they were fake, and that's why. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, it's, that was a good effect, though. That was a good effect. Yeah, everyone in the room started kind of groaning. I mean, I didn't groan myself because I've already seen the movie, but our friends who had just seen it the first time were like, oh shit. Cause that's right, because no a- one else had seen that movie. I mean, it's, it's like, I think you, I mean, you showed me the movie for the first time a couple years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, I love that movie. But, that's why I was like, I mean, for one, I was very insistent upon us watching this for a movie night for a couple of reasons. One, because, like, it's an awesome movie and just no one else in the room had seen it other than us two. And also, I hadn't watched that movie before this podcast and I was really getting down to the wire and just didn't have a lot of time. I was like, can we please do this one for the movie night? Can we please do this one for the movie night? <laughs> yeah, we uh, watched it right after we watched The Ritual, but guess what? We won't be talking about The Ritual. Because it wasn't banned and neither was this film, but this film shares a name with another banned movie that sucked ass and this is way more fun to talk about. Yeah, this is so much more fun to talk about. Like, I can feel... And watch. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in a much better mood that I'm talking about this movie because the one before it was just like it felt like it was breaking down my spirit having to relive such a, a shitty movie now that we're talking about this I feel all jovial you know? oh yeah no sorry because our last our last episode it's probably gonna be like less than 20 minutes yeah. or something like that this one's like oh and this is gonna be a normal length episode now yeah so <laughs> Yeah, and th- this this movie has so many things that are awesome about it. Stooge, I I love Stooge. He is he's so like funny. The Cartman of the group. He's oh, yeah. just like kind of like wait, this guy's like kind of like a ridiculous asshole. But why is anyone hanging out with him? It's like, <laughs> well, okay, you know, he makes for a good demon later in the film. So okay, I get why they're hanging out. With oh, him now. and he just cracks. He was cracking me up the whole movie. Like I think it was him who said like, eat a bowl of fuck. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's such a strange line, but it's like you know, it's iconic though. It, it, it's it's. Very very iconic and he's just it's weird because like he's kind of like a misogynistic like trash bag he's kind of hateable but he has a certain charm like right? i kind of want to see him keep talking and doing stuff like i like that scene where he runs off with the the woman is like the uh, this guy's getting jealous that the, this woman chooses stooge instead of the other guy and then she and then then that he i think he was like Maybe she's in the mood for some pork tonight, you know, referring oh, to dressed, yeah, 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 He's dressed as a pig. Yeah, yeah, he's dressed like a pig. And I think that also made him more charming that he had a pig nose while he was acting like this. It almost felt like his shitty behavior became suddenly somehow justified. It's almost as if they were doing a commentary on the character through his costume. <laughs> this is it very, this is subtlety, the subtlety of filmmaking at its finest. Yeah. And I, I think another thing we gotta talk about is the the dance the dancing scene. The dance sequence, this isn't so Angela the Goth Girl, and she does a dance sequence um in front of a fireplace, like this very grim kind of dark room. Uh, you know, just like and she's dressed as like goth girl black wedding dress, like to the nines and so uh, the woman plays angela uh amelia kincaid she is a she, she's a professional dancer i think at this point she i think she trained in uh jazz dance and modern dance um and so she had kind of was a recent graduate from uh her dance school at the time and because this movie was so low budget they offered like hey 
do you want to like we have this scene for a dance sequence do you want to choreograph the dance sequence and she's like oh yes 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 like, wait wait you mean i can choreograph like a dance scene in a like in a major hollywood or not not a major hollywood film but a feature film that's actually going to be in movie theaters hell yeah and she knocks it out of the fucking park oh yeah that scene that scene just oh my god there's there's so many great scenes, but I'd and also, say that one I get the song. Out. The song. It's like this is also this is what also gives this film legit fucking goth credentials. Like on the level of, of another movie like The Hunger. Well, for one, and here's the connection to The Hunger. She does it to a Bauhaus song, Stigmata Martyr, and it fucking goes so hard. Yeah, this movie is metal. This movie is goth. You know, this this movie is everything cool. <laughs> yes, yeah. and so like, am I honestly, if anything. Watch if even if, like this movie doesn't sound like it's up your alley, just like look up the scene on YouTube because it, it's so worth watching. Yeah, and uh, you know I I think if you're looking for the perfect Halloween movie, like this is it. <laughs> you know this yeah. is the perfect Halloween movie, and and using you with some uh, other information on that's our right. Dancer. So <laughs> we have a little bit more information on Amelia Kincaid. Uh, so I believe she is the. Uh, was it? She is uh, the niece of actress Rue, McClan- M- Rue McCallahan, who played Blanche on Golden Girls. And she also has danced for kind of a number of people. She danced, she was, uh, I think she was a, she toured with Donna Summers. She appeared in music videos for the Stray Cats, uh, like Cher, uh, Cindy Lauper, uh, I think Scorpions, you know, like just was like did a lot of big acts throughout the 80s I mean, that was and like i think she danced for like ray charles and the four tops and stuff like that yeah and yeah dance for the girls just want to have fun music video yeah that exactly. is a very iconic song yeah. and music video she was in break into electric boogaloo <laughs> <laughs> and also she has become in in recent years an animal psychic and pet communicator so she is like kind of a uh psychic dr doolittle woman <laughs> and it's she's like basically a celebrity pet a celebrity pet psychic and i said like one of the first things she did she did a television pilot in which she tried to commune with tammy faye baker's dog so she's like winning my heart so hard right now yeah i swear though if if this was anybody else being a pet psychic i would say that's cringe but since it's her that is amazing and awesome. She's the only pet psychic I will support. All right. It's like now I want like, okay, I want to make sure she gets her reality series now. Yeah. You know, like the one she truly deserves. Like, no, we need a pet psychic show if there hasn't been one already. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch that much reality TV. Odds are there probably already has been that show, but I want that show with her though. I'd like to see her on Gary Busey's Pet Judge. That'd oh, be fun. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's gonna be the. That's how it spins off. That's how it spins off and becomes <laughs> yeah. even bigger than the Gary Busey Pet Judge. Yeah. Which, uh, that's not a joke either. That's a real show. Uh, Gary Busey acts as a judge for um, a pet animal court. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I think there's a couple episodes for free on YouTube. I think the rest you have to buy, and we decided not to buy it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a fantastic show it's amazing though yeah it's a great one so sorry once again got a little sidebar there so back to the movie so at this point now we have multiple demonic possessions that we have like it's not just one demon going from uh person to person now multiple demons are possessing some possessing people 
So was it Suzanne, the girl in pink, and Angela, the goth girl, are both possessed. Um, I think, uh, who's it? Uh, that's right. So after her dance, Stooge kind of comes into the room and... You know, she Angela's all like being like, oh, I'm gonna be all like sexy and seductive and whatever. And Stooge, being the absolute pig of a person that he is, uh, goes up and you know tries to make out with her. She reciprocates, but then bites his tongue off and like reveals these huge fucking demonic teeth. <laughs> and like the movie just like begin, the horror begins in earnest now. Yeah, and the practical effects are great. No, like it's the, good the, effects. The, 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 they're amazing, like especially for the time and and I I love the I love the movie magic that this movie has. It's it's really good. Yeah. Please watch this movie. <laughs> and it's pretty interesting. So I mean, I don't feel it's like necessarily worth to go into like the plot of exactly what happens at this point. But from here, like the kills start. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting because I know one of the things they said about this movie is like, okay, we want to do kind of a film built around kills, but we didn't want to do a traditional slasher, though. Yeah. They wanted to do something that was a little bit different, kind of like combine a ghost story with slasher, but not have they, – they specifically didn't want – like the single masked villain with the knife or the machete or the you know so and so it's like that's they didn't want to do that it's like uh, that, they were, yeah go on i was going to say that was a good call because this movie came out in 1988 and this was i think this was during the years when like Friday the 13th movies had just started to kind of become what the Saw movies are. Just like the sequels were just getting more and more ridiculous. There were so many slashers and copycats. This movie was like, nah, let's do our own thing. What's right? Because at this point, like, I mean, this came out before this movie, but like, just to tell you where, like, if we're using Friday the 13th as like the watermark for slashers at the time, um, certainly for that series. 1989, the very next year, would introduce us to the masterpiece that is Friday the 13th. Was it 9, Jason Takes New York? Yeah, Jason Takes Manhattan. Or Takes Manhattan, yes. And, and Manhattan is only in the movie for like... 12 minutes or something. It's at the like it's the last 10 minutes of the movie. It's mostly on a boat. Jason is mostly on a cruise ship. It's yeah. it's it's mostly a cruise ship film. So this is like that's the level of Friday the 13th we have at the moment. So they're thinking, "Okay, you know, maybe we're going to like we want to film like a horror good horror film based around kills. We're not going to do it based around kind of like the single slasher villain though. Yeah. And we're going to actually create like this idea for a multitude of people and in a way that's like, okay, perfect. We're actually just going to kind of build to it. Every single person who gets killed gets possessed by, you know, another demon. And, you know, it just builds and builds and builds until you have a house full of demons, you know, chasing after the remaining survivors. Yeah, and I would say this is one thing that not a lot of movies get right with, because this is a horror comedy. Oh, it's, it's very funny. Yeah, so I would say this movie has the best amount of... Of horror and the best amount of humor that balances out into this perfect thing. Like the only other movie from that time that I could think of that that really did the horror comedy that well in that time was like maybe the Evil Dead movies. But you know, a lot of times I saw a lot of horror comedies growing up. Some of the PG thirteen horror comedies growing up, and sometimes they would just feel a little bit hammy, a little bit cheesy. Like no, this one, this one hits. No, this one it really does because it's like. It's true, like you said about good balance. Like, it's funny when it needs to be. It 
doesn't try and overdo it though it's like it's mostly a horror it's got enough comedy sprinkled in that it can be a horror comedy the comedy definitely doesn't overwhelm because like once again we're saying with the kills when they go for it they go for it there's like some graphic eye gouging oh yeah the and, violence is pretty intense oh sometimes. yeah it's like yeah. they like they really go for it but it's also like okay this is actually what you want in like a slasher film or not like I guess it, yeah actually you would want in a slasher film or like a horror film that's kind of based around the kills it's like yeah we're actually gonna have interesting and creative kills and like we're, we're and if we're gonna use our budget this is where we're putting our budget in yeah and I love how one of the demons voices sounds like the Doctor Claw from oh the my god no, that's the like, you know you're so right the demon's voice is I mean I wouldn't I I don't know who did the voice in it it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, no, 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 that's right. It was the, I believe it was, uh, it was either the producer or the director, I think, who did the demon voice. Yeah, the demon voice sounds so much like from Inspector Gadget. That no, was no, it was, no, sorry, it was neither of them. But, uh, yeah, it was the, the demon voices done by one James W. Quinn. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to look him up right now and just see if, like, there's no link to him. But did he do the Inspector Gadget dr claw voice because i swear to fucking god it's like it is it's, that voice it sounds <laughs> and we're literally researching this yeah we're doing this on the imdb yeah. nope no he no. is not he is not he just you know it caught parallel thinking call it plagiarism i don't know what to call it but uh yeah fantastic fantastic voice work in it <laughs> yeah it, yeah and all the the characters are all pretty for the most part like at least likable enough or interesting enough to want to see what happens to them next you know yeah like this movie is like the complete opposite of the movie we did for demon zone one yeah. like <laughs> and i'm gonna give a little bit of props to this movie um the black guy in the film literally does not die in fact he makes some very smart decisions and is one of the two characters to survive the night yeah, and they don't they don't make him like the token character, you know. What I, mean, I mean, he it's in some cases he's the only black guy in the film. He's the only black character in the film. So it's like okay, it's a little bit tokenized. It's a little bit tokenized, but at the same time it's like they don't really go into like too bad into any real stereotypes with it. It's like Yeah, they they didn't yeah, they didn't have him like do exaggerated stuff that like a lot of movies from that time would have done. Yeah, just just in a way that you could still be openly racist with it. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case he's like he literally does like the smart horror thing say like no, this is freaky as shit. I'm getting out of here. And so for a decent portion of the film, he's just kind of not in it because he's outside waiting in the car. But then eventually, as things get more crazy, he kind of reappears in like the second half of the film and, you know, actually becomes a lot more active in it. And But it's like also like, yo, no, we're trying to get out of here. It's just like, I'm being smart because like, I just like, nope, nope. I want nothing to do with this like, the seance or anything like that i am out in the car like this is stupid this place is freaky uh i want to leave <laughs> yeah, he gets the award for smartest character i've ever seen in a horror movie because like so like so often it's like he's like just leave just get out of here like why are you doing this like no 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 but then you know if the movie's well written enough they'll give him a reason why they actually can't get out in this case it's like well, they actually make it so the front gate disappears and they're kind of trapped within this, like, walled house. But at the same time, it's like, no, screw this. I'm just staying. I'm just going to wait outside. Fuck this. I'm, I'm not going in. Yeah, it seems like they did a lot to take care of a lot of different plot holes that you'd find in other horror movies that are, yeah. like, really this. 
yeah, I mean, it was well written. It was well directed. It was well filmed. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say yep. about this movie besides complimenting it no, a whole real. bunch. Oh, and and later there's a uh, a great scene where they use some pyrotechnics. Um, basically, you know, they go back down to the cre. At one point, you know, they end up getting trapped in the crematorium. You know, kind of. Uh, I forget, like uh, the last girl and uh, Roger, the black guy. At this point, they're the only two survivors. They pull off um, one of the like a gas pipe out of the crematorium. Which, by the way, if they're able to pull it off that, pull it out that easily, the pipe would have been so rusted out there would already be a gas leak going, and so oh, I don't know, they'd be dead already. Yeah. But but okay, that's the only plot hole. But I know that because I have actual plumbing experience. <laughs> <laughs> so either way, don't let like don't let reality ruin this for you though, because they pull it off and actually and and light it up and torch uh a couple of the uh demons coming in after them and they do two full body burns in the film it's like oh god damn they're like you basically do like a you know a flamethrower and full body burns in this movie it's like god damn this is like good pyrotechnics good effects yeah you and know good what, burn effects afterwards you know what scene actually really messes me up every time i watch it i always like cringe a little bit and actual horror is when they're climbing over the uh at the end of the movie, the two survivors, they're climbing over, but the only access to get to the top of the wall is to put your hand on active, on barbed wire. Oh, yeah, so So they're so bleeding out of their hands as they're climbing up. And it seriously, it gets me every time. I just get this uncomfortable feeling, you know? It's just like, oh, it gets into... That particular part gets into my soul. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, and it's like... But, you know, luckily, you know, both... Uh... You know, who's Judy, that's the last girl's name, yeah. Yeah, Judy and Roger both make it out and they basically just like you know, walk back into town and who is it? The old man Yeah, the, he, the old he asshole again. man yeah. basically shames them for staying out all night. And then <laughs> Yeah, he was called it, one of them like a complete dirty whore at the beginning. Oh yeah, of no, the he's like slut shaming women. It's like so it's okay, you know eventually this guy's gonna die at some point just because he's such a fucking asshole. <laughs> but and he does, but it just comes out of left field because uh I guess his wife bakes him a apple pie in the morning, but it's filled with razor blades. And so, yeah, they kind of, it's like, okay, that, and then that's the end of the movie. That's like, it's this complete non sequitur to the rest of the film, but it's like, okay, is this like just this weird, long, shaggy dog story to explain how this, like, old man's, like, this bitter old man's wife decides to off him? Yeah, it's very satisfying when he gets killed because she's, bringing him the breakfast and the coffee, and he's just mean to her the entire time. Oh, he's such an asshole. Yeah, he's mean to everybody, and he gets his comeuppance, and, like, you know, and this is this is super not what would happen if you swallowed a razor blade, but, like, the practical effects look really cool as the razor blades are, like, The razor blades are coming through. out of his neck. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like it, blood just pours down. It's unrealistic, but still great. At, the, man, at this point, but see, that's, I think this is where we can contrast it with the film we did uh, last time, uh, the 1980 Sasquatch slasher Night of the Demon, uh, yeah. in which it's like there is like this film is able to get away with that because of the fact that it's this kind of camp horror comedy and it doesn't take it takes itself just seriously enough when it needs to, but as a whole it really doesn't take itself too seriously and like so it's able to get away with kind of having this corny cheesy ending. Um, but with like, it's like, okay, this is just an excuse to do a good effect. Yeah. And 
Whereas the other film, just like, I mean, in addition to just having absolutely an even smaller budget than this movie, uh, just, you know, they didn't have any, any creative way to tell the story and they just played it straight instead of kind of going for a camp appeal, which for a, it's a Bigfoot slasher. All right. Come on. It, like, this is an inherently campy topic. You, you kind of can't play it straight. Yeah. The, the one we're talking. Yeah. And the one we're reviewing tonight, they they lean into the camp and. And still managed to have scenes that are genuinely scary. That is so impressive. No, it's in they they're able to balance the tonal shifts really well. Mm-hmm. And like I'm okay with movies doing like big tonal shifts, but it's just like you know, and they can be jarring sometimes. But when it's kind of done improperly, essentially, and this one it's like okay, it's like the tonal shifts work every single time they do it. Yeah, I would recommend this movie for people who are fans of the evil dead movies because it, this movie is the perfect horror comedy and when i think of the perfect horror comedies i think of the original evil dead oh movies. and actually to be fair speaking of evil dead this film i will say and this is where it's like okay the film isn't necessarily the most original film because it is doing a tried and true concept and it owes quite a bit to evil dead because it is you know like teens not necessarily cabin in a wood you know not trapped in the cabin in the woods, but teens in a haunted house. Kind of the same setup as Evil Dead. And there is a camera shot where they just straight up rip off. It's it's like the, the free-floating camera, you know, where like the camera's just kind of swooshing yeah. and, and whooshing through a scene, you know, kind of the way Sam Raimi does and he kind of became famous for, and particularly yeah. even the Evil Dead films where it's kind of doing like a POV from the demon moving through the house. They just rip it right the fuck off and just, like, are completely ripping off Stan Raimi's styles. They just do a complete, uh, like, do the exact same thing uh, with their movie. But don't let that detract. It's still a fantastic film. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing movie. I think I'm running out of things to say. I mean, I could compliment this movie for another hour and a half. But honestly, I feel like, I personally feel like I've said all I've needed to say. Seriously, watch this movie. Night of the Demons, 1988. This one's worth it. This one rocks. Please watch it. And happy Halloween. Yeah, ha- like it's not quite yet, but happy Halloween. And be prepared because we're doing three episodes this month. Next week is going to be Night of the Demon, 1957. Stay nasty. Stay nasty.
Oh, no, man, I'm